Coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, tons more fallout and juicy gossip post-merger from the breaking news that shocked the world of golf, all as U.S. Open week arrives. We had a wild Canadian Open finish and finishing tackle, which we'll get into. Uh, We're tuned into uh, an update on uh, Michael's puppy life and also a past guest with a big, big moment as well on national television. And this week's guest, PGA Tour Pro Dylan Wu, back on the show, friend of the show. He's in the U.S. Open field, and he was at that players' meeting last week at the Canadian Open with Jay Monahan. He's spilling the details of it all. Plus, it's a sports anniversary, an upcoming trip for our co-host when we always end with food. All of it brought to you by our friends at the Live Take app. The Live Take app is where we go to settle our debates and it's where you can debate the hottest topics in sports as well and actually decide who wins. This isn't just a group text or a group chat conversation that goes nowhere. You, the person and the viewer and the voter has the chance to vote and make your voice be heard and decide who wins these challenges, debating everything going on in the world of sports and pop culture. Myself and Michael are on there every week debating different topics, so you should get on there as well, too. Challenge us. Check out the Live Take app and download today. interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert box golf and the live take app i'm michael he's alex and alex i think we should go ahead and add in that we're also brought to you by the public investment fund of saudi arabia that's because they literally are going to own all the main male tours in the game of golf yeah, well, because, I mean, we originally yeah. joked years ago that, like, we, everyone has a price, and I guess everyone really does have a price, is what we've yeah. learned the past week, right? Yeah, pretty much we learned that uh, the PGA Tour Board of Directors has absolutely no morals or ethics whatsoever, and all they want to do is get paid, and that's exactly what's happened here, even though Jimmy Dunn pretty much told us, no, I don't need the money. That's what he said on Golf Central. I don't need right. the money, but yes. I, I feel like after watching his interview and the fallout from all this, that Jimmy Dunn is full of shit. <laughs> I know. There was some weird words exchange and these interactions seeing Monahan and Yasser Al-Ramayan face to face after being such adversaries for so long in this entire feud and everything that's embroiled in the world of golf. Uh, the hypocrisy has been ringing through all week, even with the post-merger news that we've seen now about the details and exactly how things went down. And it's amazing, like you mentioned, just to do the year time lapse and think about where Jay Monahan's stance was at last year's Canadian Open to to make, to where he looks right now at this moment as we watch another Canadian Open go by. Yeah, it's just kind of hilarious the the dichotomy between what happened last year at the RBC Canadian and then what happened this year. Not at the Canadian Open so much, but during it at least. Mm. Um, and you know, and and Jay Monahan being the the big ass hypocrite that uh, he all he is, and he admitted that he is to a certain extent. He'll take that that criticism of him. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious what would you think Alex with this? I mean, the biggest thing that kind of struggle, I struggle with, with this whole deal, uh, other than the hypocrisy is how the PIF is going to own it and whether yes, or not whoever correct. controls it, you go where the money is. It doesn't matter. 
And also, Yasser is now the chairman of the board. So Monaghan, who will be this new CEO of this new co, will report to him. Correct. Yes. It, it, it's two big bosses, but we, everyone in the room knows who the true boss is. And anyone who's been in some any sort of employer-employee structure in, in like corporate work at all knows exactly what that feels like. When you, you've got two people you're reporting to, but everyone in the room knows the one that actually has the final say, that's exactly what's going on right here. Yeah, and it's just it's I, I'm just so baffled by the whole thing of it, and especially how blindsided the players were. I mean, Rory said it during his press conference. He feels like a sacrificial lamb, and that's exactly what it is. I'm he is it is this good for the game of golf in the long term? I don't. I know. mean, I think it, it's <laughs> it's good for golf fans. And viewing the literal product, but there's a lot of things that are going to come with that 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 may cause a lot more question. I know the angle that you wanted to bring up was the the sponsorship apocryphus yeah. that was going on just <laughs> as of recently on the PGA Tour. That would blew your mind when you found it out as well. Yeah, it was just three three four weeks ago. Raytheon was trying to become the title sponsor of the Byron Nelson, okay, and the PGA yeah. Tour said no yeah. because Raytheon sells military equipment to Saudi Arabia. And they thought it would be a bad <laughs> look for the tour. <laughs> so he said that no, like literally as he was probably having breakfast and playing golf yeah. <laughs> with Yasser in Venice. And they were working the whole kinks of this deal out. I mean, that's an unbelievable two-faced moment right there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just... It, this again, is just recently, hip, weeks ago, hip, you said. Hypocrisy galore. This is, I think we should rename the PGA Tour the Hypocrisy Tour. All right, um, great. Well, on the Hypocrisy <laughs> Tour, like you said, it was, it was one year from the last Canadian Open where we got that famous uh, apology for being a member of the PGA Tour quote from Jay Monahan. Now, th- fortunately, th- this week's Can- this past week's Canadian Open also came through with great golf like the 2022 event did. Yes. So if nothing else, we-, we are getting at least still that electric PGA Tour product, and-, and Sunday was no different. What a finish. That's right. First time in 69 years that a Canadian won their marquee event in the Canadian Open, and it came after what looked like both Nick Taylor and Tommy Fleetwood didn't want to win, really, is yep. what it started to look like there as they played 18 twice and then they played the par 3 ninth and then finally got to 18 again. And, and you know, I, I do want to talk about Nick Taylor, but can we just real quick say that Tommy Fleetwood is one of the most professional and most sportsman, you know, pro sportsmanship guys out there. The way he handled himself and congratulated Nick during the entire thing was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. He's all class, Mike. But the problem is when you're a better out there and you have outright bets on Tommy Fleetwood to win a tournament on the PGA Tour and you've been grinding this guy for years and he just can't pull through, I'm running out of sympathy for Tommy Fleetwood in these second plate finishes. (laughs) So I do appreciate his all class behavior in the loss. But yeah, I was sweating that one out all Sunday. So I had the Tommy Fleetwood card and he was on my run your pool article as my main pick all week uh could not get it across the line and it was a fantastic finish like you mentioned nick taylor a 72 foot eagle putt amazing and the celebration that ensued for 69 years of waiting for canada to get its own to win a national championship was something and we've done a wellness chuck on adam hadwin after he was just completely <laughs> tackled to the ground just hardcore taken down uh by a security guard i thought canada was a friendly place but i guess it's right. not really so i know so adam hadwin is a fellow canadian on the pga tour teammate friend of nick taylor's they play practice rounds together he comes out with the champagne bottle mike to spray his teammate and all of a sudden this security guard comes around the corner mike and they've actually got the slow-mo nfl film style angle 
So it makes it look like the security guard is Lawrence Taylor coming around the edge. You know what I mean? Coming, just coming in to sack the quarterback. It's got that classic feel. It's a form tackle. And Adam Hadwin got laid out quickly. The, the situation got figured out and he was apologized to. Hadwin making many jokes of it after the fact. Um, my only thought was, Mike, they do this all the time on the LPGA tour <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the LPGA tour girls love spraying the water bottles and champagne on their friends and teammates. I hope this never happens on the LPGA tour. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I just hope this never happens because it was quite an embarrassing moment for event security there. Yeah, it's just that was that was just bad look all over. But Adam Hadwin's good. Nick Taylor. I mean, you can't win any better way than that on the fourth playoff hole at your your country's Open Championship to be the first one to do it in in six nine years. Just in, it was long, crazy. longest putt, a seventy two yard putt. I, obviously, that was that was Nick Taylor's longest putt of his career. I'm curious, and, and I haven't looked it up. What the longest putt to win a PGA mm. Tour event has ever been? The only one off the top of my head is there's an Ernie Els. Uh, in Hawaii, that was like very legit long. Oh, there's a Jim Furyk one as well too. That's very long that you can find on YouTube, which is probably about 90, 100 feet somewhere in New York. Mm. Those are the only ones that are coming to the top of my head. But that's definitely a top three one. And uh, and that 18th hole where it finished, by the way, my most popular tweet of the weekend, Mike was just saying, you know, everyone on golf Twitter was bashing that 18th hole. Oh, it's a par five. They moved it from par four to five and everyone's hitting four irons off the tee and they don't know what to hit into their sec for their second shot in the green. Uh, yeah, yes, it's a PGA Tour course. We're, we're supposed to make the game difficult. Uh, and everyone seemed to agree with me. So I enjoyed the kind of quirky 18th hole with the funny setup. And yeah, it's an, it's a, unfortunate that the PGA Tour drivers have to complain about not being able to hit driver on every single par five. Uh, but they dealt with a little <laughs> adversity, and I think it, it made for a great closing hole in the end. You know, I, I have nothing wrong with making the PGA Tour pros play sh- golf where you have to hit the ball in the right place. Right. Point A, point B. You love that course. You love those yeah. courses. I mean, I mean, it, this this isn't about power. It's about control and accuracy. That's what it's about. <laughs> Indeed. Very impressive stuff from Nick Taylor. Again, shout out to Nick Taylor. First Canadian to win 69 years. I kind of teased it in my article. I picked the wrong Canadians, though. I had Adam Spenson and Corey Connors who had decent weeks, but nowhere near as good as Taylor. It was in history forever now. Let's talk about the LPGA real quick. They had the ShopRite LPGA Classic. How would yeah. you like, you know, it's 65 to finish out and uh, win on tour for Ashley Buhay. Pretty, pretty good. She's one of those players that is very feast or famine. And I was going to ask you this question when I saw she won, Mike. Would you rather just be a, a tour pro that just finishes like 25th, 30th, 35th every week? Or would you rather just like miss five cuts in a row and then just come through with a big win out of nowhere? What, what, what would you rather be? <laughs> That's a hard question to answer, actually, because would you rather make it feel like you don't belong? Or would you rather feel mm-hmm. like you're just average? <laughs> right. Well, Ashley Buhai is the latter. She comes out of nowhere and wins big time events every once in a while, just when you start to forget about her name. Uh, so she's good for that, if nothing else. Another impressive performance from Buhai, getting another win in, a, in addition to the major championship she already has in, in women's golf as well. That's right. She does have a major winning the Women's British Open last August. So she is a major champion and now notches this on her belt. You know what? If my one win, though, if I was missing cuts, but my one win came at a major, I'd be OK with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, same. All right, let's look ahead. The uh, Canadian Open is in the rear view. It's now time for the U.S. Open. They're in L.A. at L.A. Country Club. Yep. Um, I, I mean, 
this this whole event has a different shroud to it now that these live guys may you know be here now in perpetuity they may be able to keep coming back all the time yep we um, all have to be friends now yep so um uh, what 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 do we think here what's what's gonna happen well we start with the big three conversation so john rom masters champion 2021 us open champion leading the betting odds and then we've got scotty scheffler who can't make a putt and then we have rory who is just mentally exhausted from everything and, and seems to contend but can never win uh, that that's we start with those three names then you work your way down the field from there can we just say arguably how impressive it was let Roy McElroy did as well as he did at the Canadian Open after being you know pretty much skewered drawn and quartered by being sacrificed by you mean? yeah yeah <laughs> top top 10 finish I mean, I feel like he can do those in his sleep now. It's unbelievable how he can pull those out of a hat, pulling rabbits out of a hat, Rory's doing right now. But yeah, it's about winning for him, obviously, at the major championship level. So honestly, the the highlight of my Run Your Pool article, which you can see now uh, for my full preview, is that I'm going outside the top names this week, Mike. I've I've got this weird, fuzzy feeling we're going to get a bit of a surprise winner. It could be just a tier two star, you know, um, a name I'm looking at that's kind of not on people's radar right now, but has the game to win a U.S. Open. Cam Smith coming Mm. off a recent live tour win hasn't really played that great in majors. I don't know. He's been okay, but that's an example of a name that probably isn't in the top 10 for anyone's list right now, but I'm, I'm looking on page two for kind of a surprise winner this week for some reason. Yeah, I don't think Matt Fitzpatrick is going to repeat. I don't think that's worth putting okay. a dollar yeah, down. Right. You know, I feel like Jordan Spieth's game is starting to get back into shape. So maybe okay. if Scotty can putt, he's going to win hands down. Um, but I would go just one off those top three in the world rankings. I would go to Patrick Cantley. His game has been really good. He's been just consistent and ever. And if he just, you know, be Patty Ice through four rounds, I, I, I think he could finally do it. I think there's some course experience. I know he's got Southern California golf experience there. And there's kind of a cohort of about 10, 15 guys in the field. Max Holm was part of that group that do have course experience. Um, As to tease, this week's podcast guest has some course experience at LACC too as well. But Mike, ultra stuffy private venue here. Um, it's like they're they're not quite Augusta level, but like this is one of those courses where after six PM you have to wear a sport coat in the clubhouse. Like that so that's that's we're really pulling the club the veil back on a real private country club here this week. Class, class, class. I guess so. Yeah. So LA Country Club will be on full display. Uh, I had a great piece on celebrity golfers, golfers in Hollywood right now on runyourpool.com. Obviously the live storyline and the full betting preview. So you can check that all out on, on runyourpool.com. All right, let's switch over to Tuned In, where we share what we're tuning into outside of the world of sports. I got a puppy update for you, Alex. Oh, boy. All right, Leica the Beast, how we doing? Uh, Leica was uh, spayed this past week. Oh, so, boy. Wow. Um, the beginning of a new era for the pup. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so <laughs> she uh, she was so out of it. She's, she's finally, I think, in the last 24, 36 hours, maybe okay. really come back. But yeah. Uh, it was kind of kind of sad watching her uh, in the that first kind of twenty four hour stretch where that anesthesia was still hitting her hard. Yeah, um, but she's uh, she's running around. Yeah, you know, she's not supposed to be jumping on furniture and stuff. But how do you get your dog to not jump on the furniture? Right. It's, yeah. Hey, I mean, puppy, don't jump on furniture, please. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's still wearing her uh, her puppy onesie that she's supposed to wear. This uh, kind of yes, like surgical of onesie that she's wearing, uh, which just kind of looks funny because it's stretched really bad. So it looks like she's got a full diaper or something going on. 
Um, yep. The adult but, diaper um, action. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be coming off probably in another another couple days here. Okay. Um, well, with each but, day, she should yeah. be, be fully closer towards the men. So that's good. To yes. Yes. Love it. Uh, let's talk about a past guest real quick. I was tuned into America's Got Talent, Mike. When's the last time mm. you, you flipped through America's Got Talent? Probably been a while, right? Uh, let's say the last time I had cable television, which at this point was maybe five, six years ago. <laughs> well, it was a while for me too. But admittedly, I had to be tuned in. A friend of ours and a friend of the show on America's Got Talent. Remember, we had country music singer Mitch Rosell on. I met yes. him at the PGA show in Orlando. He was on America's Got Talent, obviously told the very emotional story, which he told in my interview. Be sure to check the archives for that one about his new song, Son, obviously dedicated to his late father and also dedicated to his son as well, too. Howie Mandel, Heidi Klum, Sophia Vergara, and the always difficult Simon Cowell, Mike, as we know. Four commanding yeses and a standing ovation for Mitch Rosell. So our boy is advancing uh, to the next round of auditions on AGT. Uh, so be sure to tune in and check out that, that past interview from, I believe, February as well, where we tell his full story. So really cool to see Mitch uh, thriving on AGT. All right, let's get to this week's guest. He's uh, coming back to the show. He's a good friend of ours, and he's qualified for this year's and this week's U.S. Open. But Really, the highlight here, Alex, is that he was inside the room when Jay Monahan took a shellacking at the Canadian Open. Yeah, this is like I feel very Dateline NBC ish right now. <laughs> like I should, we should be putting the print on the bottom third, being like, there were only 154 men in the players only meeting last week with Commissioner Jay Monahan. We spoke with one of them. I can't get any more suspenseful than that. Our boy Dylan Wu is here. He's very candid with us and it's a great conversation coming your way. It really is. We'll get to it in just a moment, but first let's talk about our good friends at desert Fox golf. They got the phone caddy. They got the, uh, the, the wonderful swing, a swing tumblers, a tumbler. They towels, got towels. All they for got- events too. All this great, great stuff. It's great for events because you can get it in any number of colors and they let you slap your logo on it as well. And Alex, they, they've got a great referral bonus going on right now as well. It's very easy. If you have an event of 100 or more, you're buying 100 or more items from Desert Fox Golf. All you have to do is when you get in contact with them and you place that order, just tell them Course of Life sent you for your event or your gathering and you're going to get a $100 referral bonus just for shopping with them. So they're great friends of ours. They're great in the golf industry and they're great for large scale golf events. Uh, So be sure to check out everything Desert Vox Golf can do for your next golf gathering or event. Next up on the show, he's a recurring guest that we're glad to have back on the show, PGA Tour Pro, who's also a newlywed, and he's got the roller coaster of emotions going on right now as we talk to him. It's Dylan Wu joining us on The Course of Life. Dylan, how are we doing? Hey, Alex, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's been a while since we last spoke, but just to catch people up on on your life, um, last time we talked, you're on the Corn Ferry Tour, so things have changed, and you're obviously on the big tour now. But you recently got married as well, too. I, I got to ask, uh, what was the uh, what was the best wedding gift that you're maybe still using? Me and my wife have an air fryer that we're, we di- live and die by every day. I'm curious what's getting put to use from the wedding gifts for you. Well, that's a good question. I have to think about that for a second. I'm trying to think of the best. Oh, we got a really nice Nespresso machine from. Um, uh, one of my friends in Oregon that it actually got sent to the house pretty early. Margaret uses it every day. So that's probably the thing that's gets, that's something that I can remember right now. I mean, I think everybody loves cash. So I think 
that was probably the best gift. Yes. But no, the Nespresso machine is probably the number one use thing so far. And you guys had like a dream European honeymoon. I saw some images of Fran- French pastries and some sort of market that looked like it was like out of like a Hallmark Christmas movie. But tell everyone yeah. where, where specifically you guys went on the honeymoon. Yeah, we started off uh, uh, in Paris for four days, then spent four days uh, in Germany, uh, one city called one city called Stuttgart, and then three days in Munich, and then we went to Zurich for a day, and then spent four days in Zermatt, Switzerland, near the Matterhorn, and then a couple days in uh, Interlaken, um, Switzerland. So it was an awesome trip. We, my wife and I, when we were living in Chicago at the time before moving to Scottsdale, we loved going to the Christmas market downtown, the Chris Kindle market. It's like oh, okay. a German Christmas market. You drink blue wine. And there's a lot of uh, like like uh, makeshift. Um, kind of like stores that like sell different like Christmas stuff and it's from Germany. So we wanted to go over there and, and see that. So we went to a couple of them in Paris, went to a couple in Germany and a couple in Switzerland. So it was awesome. Um, it was great. Uh, it was definitely a kind of a nice winter trip. I feel like with golf, you play in the heat and humidity all the time. I feel like I'm constantly sweating in the sun. So kind of wanted to go on like a cooler honeymoon. Definitely. Uh, just because, just because we go on so such warm, warm trips in general. Um, but it was really, really fun. I, I, I loved it. I think Switzerland's my favorite country in the world I've ever been to. Yeah, and so Zermatt specifically, describe where that was in relation to like the extreme elevation and the Alps and everything like that. I've only seen it in photos, but obviously you got to experience it firsthand. Yeah, it's like it's not that big. It's basically like a mountain town. There's no cars there allowed. So like, oh, wow, take the train up there, and like there's like golf carts basically that take you around. But it's super cool. The Matterhorn's right there. Uh, we got you take like like a bullet train. Basically, it's like a, on a on a ski ski resort mountain town kind of. So you kind of take like ski lifts up, and then you can ski around. I didn't ski. My wife wouldn't let me. Uh, my family <laughs> wouldn't let me. But um, no, it's amazing. I mean, it's just breathtaking views. Uh, nice. It's just I think Switzerland's like not only one of the cleanest and nicest countries. It's like one of the most breathtaking countries. So it was. I, I want to go back in the summertime just to see it in the summer because people love winter and, and summer. And I've heard good things about both. So no, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Looks like a once in a lifetime type of trip. Really glad you got to experience that. All right, let's get to the golf now. Um, we're recording on the Wednesday before U.S. Open week, but everyone right now is listening to this during U.S. Open week. Uh, the week started off on Monday for you with the longest day in golf, which you're very familiar with. Kind of old half of you at this point. Um, just talk me through the mindset going into that day at 36 holes. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, something you don't really prepare for in professional golf anymore. I mean, it's more like college golf. You kind of get used to playing 36 holes sometimes. But, um, yeah, I decided to play in Springfield, Ohio. This year I played in Maryland the last two years. Right. Okay. I had a, I had a chance of getting in Memorial. Um, so, like, when I picked, looked at the sites, I kind of wanted to go to a site that had more spots. And it was closer to Toronto for the RPC than also um, maybe there was a chance I got to Memorial that – be close to it um and i played springfield in college once when i when i was a junior and i played the one in columbus once when i was a senior but uh no it was definitely just try to treat it like kind of a normal tournament i mean 36 holes is a lot to do in one day but yeah i got in saturday night to columbus uh played a pressure on sunday and just kind of yeah, just made sure i rested and had enough snacks and fuel and just kind of you kind of just have to stay patient the entire day. I feel like that's the day that takes even more patience than a normal round of golf. Now you're, uh, you're, just because- 
Dylan, you're a big food guy. I'm curious, what, what's the food allotment across 36 holes? How, how do you space that out? Do you go one big meal in between the 18s, or are you eating every few holes? What do you like to do? Yeah, so I'll eat breakfast beforehand, and then, um, like, I, my tea time was at 9 a.m. I was, like, one of the last tea times. Okay. Um, so I eat breakfast in the morning, and I just pack a bunch of snacks. I try to eat every probably five to six holes. Um, a bar, nuts, uh, pretty much anything, fruit, banana, um, anything like that to kind of help me sustain my energy. And then after the the midpoint eating lunch, I kind of, if I'm still going to play golf, I don't ever eat like a big lunch. I'm honestly healthier when I'm on the golf course or like before me, before playing or after playing. I'm really healthy. Like I eat salads and everything. So I like a turkey sandwich with just a simple turkey sandwich for lunch at at the clubhouse there with um, just lettuce and everything like that. And then I just try to eat like bars or jerky uh, like every six to nine holes just to kind of fuel the energy. Yeah. I mean, um, you, I think you got to figure it out at this point. You're, you you got a pretty good routine with this 36 holes for yeah. better or for worse. You keep putting yourself in this position, but you keep coming out the right end, I guess. Exactly. No, it's yeah. There's definitely a lot of kind of just like kind of routine that you go through. Um, you just kind of get the same snacks and stuff, snacks you like and some things that are easier to go down um, and quicker to go down. Like I like to eat a lot of almond butter too. It's the easy quick snack it's kind of just like a like a like a gel not like a gel but like just peanut butter you can just easily eat in two right. seconds and that gives you some energy especially maybe when it's hot and humid out good tip indeed so the, you made it through not only the 36 but the playoff and a, and, a, and a nice let's go moment from you with the birdie putt to eventually get you in uh tell me about the emotion pouring out there i know you're typically a little bit more of a reserve player out there but it was good to see that volume from you in the moment uh yeah it was definitely Kind of came out of nowhere when I made the putt. Um, the course is very, very tricky at Springfield. The greens are kind of, they're like probably the most severe greens I've ever played in my life. Like you have a chance to putt it off like five to seven greens. Like it's it's kind of pretty dumb. Jeez. Like how the course is set up. It's just like impossible. Like there's there's some holes where if you're five feet above the hole and you, hit, you barely touch it, it's going 30 feet by. Like it's a little unfair in that sense. And uh, in the playoff, I... Yeah, made birdie, made like an eight footer, uh, eight, nine footer for birdie. And I, honestly, when I saw it go in, kind of, I don't know why I screamed, let's go so loud. It kind of came, came out of nowhere, but I think it was just kind of, I was playing well, then I, I doubled hole seven, my third to last hole, because I had 25 feet and I missed it barely high and it rolled and went off the green. And I had a 40 yard chip shot. And I'm like, how did, how is that even possible? Because I didn't even think I had a bad putt. And I was just like, I think just what happened there and then, just to get through on the three for two playoff meant a lot. I knew I really wanted to play in the U S open, not only just to play in my second major, but just, to, just to add another event to the schedule. So, um, no, it was definitely a very good grind, um, two days ago. And no, it's definitely a lot of, a lot of hard work and glad to get through. Yeah, it was a fun ride in 2021. For those who remember at Torrey Pines, the Wu crew out in full force. And we'll obviously see them again at uh, Los Angeles Country Club. So this is a, a, a newish venue for most golf fans who haven't seen it. But I understand you got a little bit of experience with the course. Tell me about your background with, with Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, luckily, when I was at Northwestern, one of my teammates, Peter Griffith, um, who's a year younger than me, was a member at LACC. So I haven't played it in a couple of years, but I've played it probably maybe seven, eight times. Um, okay. So I'm looking forward to going back there. So I've definitely at least played, know the looks of the hole, know the design of the course. Um, of course, it's going to be different when you get there for U.S. Open uh, set up and everything like that. But no, looking forward to going somewhere where I actually at least known, like know a little bit about. So 
Um, now being from the West coast, it's always, it's always good to play back in the West coast. Easy, easier for my, my family to travel. So I'm looking forward to the U S open next week. Nice. And I had a question. Do we have official woo crew merch? Are we working out or has that been made or where are we at with that? Uh, my, my wife's family is a pretty big family. They're from like between Chicago and quad cities and they, like her dad's one of 10 siblings and they basically make woo crew shirts like in purple, <laughs> Western purple. They've had it in the last couple of years. Um, not yet, but I could see it hopefully in the future as I hopefully keep on trying to get a little bit better every year. Um, but no, there's definitely a little, I definitely get more shot shouts, uh, for woo a lot, um, this year on tour. So it's been, it's been, it's been fun. Just rolls off the tongue nicely. I got to admit. So it's easy, it's easy to shout when you're out there. Uh, <laughs> all right. We took 10 minutes and I buried the lead. Let's obviously talk about the elephant in the room story with everything going on and the merger of the PGA Tour, PIF, Live Tour, and DP World Tour all coming together. You know, Dylan Wu, just, you know, your first reaction when you opened your phone and you saw the news Tuesday morning of the merger. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, surprising is an under, understatement for sure. Like, I was walking to the PT trailer yesterday. My clubs didn't make it from Columbus here. So I was like, ah, I'm just going to hang out in the PT trailer and just rest until my clubs get here at night and just take an off day, basically. And I, Nick Hardy actually messaged me. He's like, check your email. I'm like, what? And then I checked my email. And I started reading it while I'm walking to the PT trailer. And there's like six other guys in there. I'm like reading it more and more. I'm like, guys, I think the PGA Tour and Live are merging. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you smoking? There's like, yeah, like you're, you're this got to be a joke. And I'm like, no, I'm reading more. I'm like, guys, check your email. And honestly, the first reaction was just like, wow. Like, I think it's because this, the Taurus had such a strong stance against Liv. Um, the past year and a half and two years, you have Rory being a spokesperson, basically, and having just kind of two separate entities. Honestly, like, kind of coexisting, at least the last couple months. They were. Where the PJ Tour has been, honestly, in a very strong spot with their designated events. All the changes kind of in response to Liv with the elevated events being higher purses to match the live purses. And, um, just to see that we're merging with them, um, was definitely very, very surprising. I mean, we had a player meeting yesterday at four o'clock and there were a lot, there's probably the biggest player meeting I've been to at least in the past year and a half, two years, like hundred to 120 players in there. And a lot of very, very angry players. I don't think anybody was really happy in the room. Um, a lot of questions, still a lot of questions not answered. Um, but it was a very, very weird day. I mean, I had the longest day of golf, the long, yeah, the longest day in golf on Monday. And then yesterday was not much different. I mean, just mentally with, with what's going to happen in the future. So it was definitely, it's still hard to grasp what's going to happen. That's this just we're at the very beginning of it. So we'll see what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. So obviously the buzz gets going with the players when the news comes down on the range and in the player meeting. I'm curious, just from a majority perspective, what, what are the most common unanswered questions from the players right now? I think the biggest thing we learned yesterday was that it's more of just like right now, the framework, it's like very basic framework between PJ tour and live a partnership. Like, there's no details yet. Um, that's going to be like a full process of like what's going to happen with that. So like there's not many questions that can be answered. Like how much is the public investment fund going to invest in the PGA tour? Like the PGA tour is still going to run everything as Jay was saying and have a full majority over it's whatever it wants to do in the future. But there's going to be like a commercial side for profit side for the PGA tour and also the nonprofit side that, they're keeping. So it's like, it was kind of just changing 
um, the way the organization is going to run, um, like all the sponsorship dollars and revenue is going to go into the for-profit side and all that administrative and rules and regulation will go into the non-profit side. And that's going to be the same thing for, for the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, or Live. Um, so there's, there's just a lot of also questions like, why now? Um, and I think, honestly, in my opinion, there's a chance like some of the litigation battle could have been not necessarily going in the way the PGA Tour wanted, um, where it was probably going to be dragged out for a long time. Right. And costing a lot of money from the reserves and money that essentially could have maybe gone to, to players um, in purse or whatever. But uh, some stuff that like couldn't really be talked about is probably the reason why like this this merger kind of happened out of the blue. Um, just because you can't really ask about the details of a court case and stuff like that. But um, it seems like that had had to have some role and play into this 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 rash decision the last basically yesterday morning. But the sentiment in the room was just yeah, people are just very angry. Like why now? Like why why are we doing this? Like what's it gonna look like for for live players to come back? Like what's the process gonna be like that like and it's like honestly it's gonna be up to like Jay and the board. It's like the players I think will have lost a lot of trust in not only Jay but just the higher ups in the PJ tour. It's like we, they say that we're a player run organization or whatever. Players have a say, and it doesn't feel like that at all. Nope. Especially when yeah. no player had knew anything about it. So the, hip, the yeah, hypocrisy, a hypocrisy at its finest that you mentioned on, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy world in golf. We thought this past year and a half was crazy. Now it's like everything that was said about, like, oh, yeah, Liv is, is terrible. Like the PJ Tour is all about legacy. Like, once you once you leave, you you won't be welcome back. And I'm like, it's been a year. You're basically gonna welcome them back or give them a path at somewhat in the future. Now that there's a partnership, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like I think the other side of it too is like, should we be apologizing now for being on the PGA Tour and playing? Like we're golfers <laughs> at the end of the day, but like now this money that we are playing for could be tied to uh, Saudi money and say immorally things that are attached to 9/11 and everything like that. So it's definitely you got that side of it there. And that's some, somewhat of some reason why some players didn't leave is because of the, where the money came from. And it's just like, there's a lot of variables now and information that's been out there. So there's still a lot of questions. <laughs> there's a little, still a lot of unknown that's going to happen in the future. Absolutely. In terms of the, the meeting itself, I know some players spoke up and l- let's keep this about the players for a moment. I know there were some po- uh, players who spoke up very poignantly, um, just from your opinion, who maybe had had the best words in the players meeting or, or something most poignant that resonated with you, you know, from a player's perspective. I feel like Mavs, McNeely and Doc Redman were, were probably the most thing, the things that I could remember the most. Um, Matt was just wondering, like, why, like, you could the PJ Tour could have easily raised $2 billion or whatever, as much money they want to in the U.S. Like, why did we have to go to the public investment fund for, for money necessarily? And, like, how he asked questions on, like, how the company, how the PJ Tour operate with this new form of having a nonprofit side and profit side. Like, it's going to be completely different. Right. And, like, Jay didn't really have great answers to it and everything like that because it's the very beginning of it. Um, and then Doc was basically saying like he got like slight standing ovation claps because just because the PJ Tour has made all these changes the past year and a half um, and we're kind of in, heading in a great direction like I think a lot of people thought the PJ Tour like the response was strong absolutely, and everything was going in the right direction and just to have all this 
happened and the decision that the players knew nothing about, like just completely lost the trust of all the players. And I think that's just something that you can, you're going to see even more. I feel like it's even more divided now between the players and, and the high execs. It's like the players really don't have any say in, in what we do, um, which is definitely, I mean, not great when the PGA Tour, like all the execs say like, oh yeah, we give players a say, we have a player advisory council and everything. I'm like, that's the biggest crap ever. Like those guys have, I mean, the players just have no say. Like our opinion might matter sometimes, but like when it comes down to like big decisions about our livelihood and our tour, like uh, they leave it up to business execs and, and Jay and, and now, now the governor of the PIF. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. Definitely, yeah, I know, and I feel like a, a guy like Billy Horschel who just goes hours and days and burns the midnight oil on that advisory board. You know, he probably feels pretty slighted himself right now with this whole news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, on a lighter note, I guess let's talk about what that path might look like. You, you've been through the past. You know what it's like. Are we gonna? Are these live guys going to get a couple exemptions? Are they going to work their way up through the corn fairy tour? Are we about to see the craziest corn fairy fields ever? What, what do you think that might look like for them? I don't know. Yeah, they're supposed to be like – a disciplinary like pathway back where it kind of goes through Jay's approval and everything like that. I'm like, there's no, there's no like formal way yet. They don't even, they, from yesterday's conversation at the meeting, it seems like 2023, like both schedules in the PGA tour and live golf will play out. And he's, he says he doesn't see a likelihood of players from live coming back to play in 2024, but we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know what the path is going to look like kind of sucks for all the guys that were offered money that didn't go. And then if, if live players are able to come back easily, like say like Brooks Kepka, who just won the PGA, technically if he was on the PGA tour, he'd be exempt for five, whatever, five years. Yeah. Like, and if he was taken back, so like he could take hundred, $150 million and then come back and play on the PGA tour where he can make a bunch of money. It just, it's not fair to the, the top players that stay. And so it's like, there's still so much up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen yet. What one fun thing you did talk about on Twitter was, was given the credit and the hat tip where it's due to our boy, Phil Mickelson. Now, listen, we can all admit, and we've talked about Phil a lot in the last couple of years. He may not have gone about everything he's done in, in the most you know poignant or accurate way, but I'll be darned. Hashtag Phil was right is pretty alive and well right now. Just what's your overall sentiment to, to Phil Mickelson and his, his position as it stands in the world of golf this last year or two? For sure. I, I think I, you hit the nail there. Like, I definitely think Phil maybe didn't say things in the right manner to get his point across. But honestly, like, everything he said was right. Like, you just see the landscape of professional golf now. It's like, live without live, honestly, the threat of competition, like, the PJ Tour probably wouldn't have changed. Never. And now we're playing for more money. The product is getting better for, for fans. The designated events are working. And it's crazy. Like, now. I don't even know what's going to happen in the future now. It's just, I think everything he said was, was pretty spot on there. And the funny thing is like, yeah, the PJ tour probably wouldn't have made any of these changes. If, if he didn't say any of this stuff, it's like the PJ tour was fine having hundreds and over $300 million at one point before in reserves, just sitting there instead of helping up instead of growing the purses more and having the players honestly make more, make more money as golf has been thriving since COVID honestly. So yeah, it's. I think he's been spot on, and um, I just, I just feel like some of the other golf media have have haven't been spot on. Kind of been taking that moral high ground of like the Saudi and nine eleven, and like how it's dirty money, and then now the PGA Tour is going to be part of that, and 
I mean, all these companies, these Fortune 500 companies that partner and sponsor with all sports, all companies really do deal, do money deals with the the Saudis. So it's like everything just being, yeah, very hypocritical, honestly. It's yeah. like you can't necessarily, you don't know, you don't really know where your dollar is coming from, no matter where you work at sometimes. And it's like some things are out of your control, but at some point you can't just take the high ground if, if your company is, is doing the same thing. Um, or decides to do the same thing in the future, you know? Like, if you stand with the, the high moral ground, like, you kind of have to stay that path and you can't change it. And the fact that it was changed is just, yeah, it's it's weird because, like, now do we have to apologize for playing on the PJ Tour? And it's just another component being added to it. Yeah, it's a messy situation overall, but I appreciate you taking the time to clarify the player's perspective. I know you got a lot going on, so, so we'll let you go. But Dylan, best of luck with everything this week at Los Angeles Country Club. We're honorarily part of the Woo Crew, and we'll be following along. Uh, so good luck with the rest of the summer, major championship season, and, and the rest of your tour year as well. Perfect. Thanks, Alex. And we're back. Great chat there with Dylan. Utter crap is what he called the Player Advisory Council. You know, it it is that is something that I think is just horrible to look at is how little the players have in terms of power when a decision like this <laughs> right. is made that directly affects them. And I we I said I said this to you before we started recording. Even the players are not employees of the PGA Tour. They are independent contractors, so you can't treat them like they have nowhere else to go. They don't have anywhere else to go anymore. <laughs> they did, and some but, of them exercised yeah. that right and come out a hundred dollars, million dollars richer. So, yeah. do we think? Do we think? I mean, I mean, we didn't we didn't talk about this before. I, I think you repair this relationship with these players by really making sure you punish the guys that went to live, or at least making them less full. I don't know how you do that. We've heard hard. about fines. Yeah. We've heard fines. We've heard that the guys who stuck around are going to get equity stake in the new company. Um, I, I don't. I don't know how you fix it, but I think that's that's how you need to try to repair a relationship to a certain extent. Again, money solves all problems. That's right. How do you pay the guys who stuck around their money that they were owed? Now, it was very candid stuff from Dylan, and I appreciated him hopping on. Obviously, it's funny. I hit him up the day before everything went down because he qualified for the U.S. So I was like, Dylan, you're in again. Let's talk about it. And then as the next 24 hours went on, the whole world of golf shifted. So we had a whole other conversation to have there. But it was really great getting his perspective. And, he, and he's spot on. We echo his sentiments as a player. Um, he couldn't have said it more clearly that they're, they're feeling a little used and abused right now with the way everything went uh, on. But um, it's a relationship that, that, like you said, can get repaired over time. We'll see. Thanks again for Dylan for hopping on. Um, and oh, by the way, Mike, uh, 600 to 1 odds on Dylan to win this week. Um, I'm, I'm putting a dollar down on that. I, that, that could yeah. pay a lot of bills for a lot of people. Put put a dollar down for me too while you're at it. Okay, right. So it's two to win twelve hundred this week. Yeah, and we are official Woo Crew members. I was bugging him about the merch. So hopefully we get a shirt sometime soon. Dylan, you heard oh, yeah. that, right? Okay. I like it. I like it. And if you like that conversation with Dylan, plus everything else we do here on those podcasts, please make sure you hit that subscribe button give us a rating four stars three stars if you're triggered by everything we say and you're still here then go ahead and give us one star i mean at least you gave us something i appreciate everything you give us i just want to be given things uh let are not from the saudis so stars come from <laughs> the podcast apps and you the listeners 
I was wondering so, how you're going to spend give, that. Very give well them done to there. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram as well. See all podcast course yep. of life, Alex M W R I N C. We're on Twitter too. course of life one and M W R I N C. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, all those cool places. And you can check all our food content on always end with food on Instagram as well. Some cool pics going up there. We'll talk more about some things you may see there in a minute. But first, Alex, I'm going to give you the floor. Your Red Sox beat my Yankees this weekend. Didn't sweep us, but you won the series. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And that's the only reason why this could possibly make the podcast is I just wanted yeah. <laughs> you to say that, that we got two out of three from the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And in the grand scheme of things, it's really not meaning a whole hell of a lot because this AL East, Mike, for anyone who's watching any tidbit of baseball this season, the AL East might be the greatest division in the history of divisions in the history of baseball. I'll, I'll just say that. I'm just saying that right I, now. I'm going to have to put, I got to pull up the standings real quick here because the last time I looked, the worst team in the AL East was still is the, the, is the best, Boston Red Sox was still was still though. Okay. They're at 500. Now they yeah. would be tied for the best in the AL central. Yes, they would. <laughs> so it's just like the worst team in the AL East is as good as the best team in the AL Central. I think there's a weird, crazy, crazy messed up world because everything is backwards these days in sports where four or five teams from this division could get in the playoffs. I don't, I don't even know how that's mathematically possible, possible but they're going to damn well try in the next I few mean, months. The, the uh, wild card right now is Baltimore Yankees and <clears throat> Houston. Yeah, so we're trying. Yeah. Unbelievable stuff in the AL East, though. Good to see the Red Sox and the Yankees back at it. And um, yeah, I just had to get that tidbit in, of course. But shout out, really, shout out, it's shout out to the AL East because we're, we're treading uphill, winning all sorts of games, and we're still in dead last. So long yep. way to go. Uh, we also got to do a little uh, update to our uh, Division One Men's Ice Hockey National Champions Quinnipiac Bobcats. That happened. By the way, that happened. I'm still reveling in that moment. I still wear my Quinnipiac Bobcats shirts. I uh, wear my championship shirts. I wear my championship hat that I got as well. Bobcats were in Washington, D.C. today at the White House Heard for a College Champions Day. Um Great pics of them on the South Lawn there in front of the White House. Just incredible. Probably as close as what any Quinnipiac Bobcat's going to come to to working in the White House. Maybe if that's a- <laughs> uh, I have a, I, I, I don't I don't I don't don't own me on this, but I feel like there's probably a Bobcat somewhere in you the know White what? House. I think there might be. I'll, I'll yeah. do a little. I'll do five minutes of research after we hop on and see if I can there find one for you. There we go. There you there's go. always the alumni connection, but great to see the the national champions on the lawn there. For now, let's hashtag always end with food. Yes, food segment to end every Course of Life podcast. Um, It's an anniversary, actually, a sports anniversary that just went by, Mike. The Michael Jordan flu game anniversary. We're 25 years removed. The famous flu game where Michael was sick in Utah and then delivered the poor performance of a lifetime to win another NBA championship to uh, continue his sixth championship legacy. Fun facts, uh, food-related facts that have emerged from the flu game, Mike. He actually got sick from a Pizza Hut pizza, extra pepperonis. What what would your Pizza Hut pizza order be back in the day? Uh, Back in the day, it was probably sausage. Yeah. That's what I kind of always went with. Extra pepperonis for Jordan. Got him sick, food poisoning. That's how the flu game originated. And then the other fun fact is he gave away his shoes to a ball boy after the performance. And we learned about uh, Michael Jordan's pregame snack, Mike. So Michael Jordan, peak athlete, late 90s, top of his game, goat, greatest basketball player on earth, pregame snack, applesauce on top of graham crackers. Have you ever tried that before? 
No, I've done peanut butter on graham crackers. I went through a phase where that was my lunch for weeks in elementary school. Mm, peanut butter on graham crack- crackers is great. I've never seen applesauce on graham crackers, but lo and behold, the goat did it in the prime of his career. So it might be worth trying out there, I guess. Yep. So we'll see. Never know. Uh, this week, uh, I'm doing a little vacation. Mother's coming to town, and uh, the three of us uh, with the wife are headed up to Charleston, just two oh, hours nice. north of here. So, okay. you know, there's going to be some food engage, uh, being enjoyed up there in uh, Charleston. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for it. We're looking for some bakeries, too. There's a place up there we're going to go to. It looks like we're going to some a, a Latin place, a Mediterranean place. We'll see what else we get to enjoy while we're there. And we're going to be at a and b so I'm sure we'll have some good breakfast while we're there, too. As a fellow baker, when you're looking at a bakery in another mm-hmm. market, yeah. are you going to the bakery just because it's generally well-lauded across the board or popular? Or are you going to find some specific pastry or something that they make in there that you're intrigued by? What would you say? Um, it's more be- – I want to go to the places that other people say are good because I want to compare what good is there to what I mm, – yeah. I'm pretty sure is good. I've been to some where it's like, oh yeah, and then you get it and you bring it home. And you're like, ah, oh, it's not that great. Mm, okay. So, um, the, this one place that I'm looking to go into, Brown's Court in Charleston, I've heard very good things about, including from the other bakeries in my bakery. So, if the bakery is saying, if my bakery is saying good things about them, that's usually a good sign. That's the intra-industry thing, definitely. Like, if yes. you work at a restaurant and you hear the other servers saying, oh yeah, this is where we go after work. That's where you go after work. I I totally get that. Love that. All right. So always end with food on Instagram. If you want to follow, check out that content from the next week. Uh, Follow along on socials for Course of Life. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.